Ten years ago, Kim Kardashian's public profile went from reality TV stardom to total PR disaster. Yep, she was filing for divorce just 21 days after her televised wedding extravaganza was watched by millions. This is Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies retold. Zara McDonald. Hello, Michelle Andrews. We're back for part two. We are back for part two. Before we dive into this episode, give us a refresher. What did we learn last week? We learned that Kim Kardashian started dating a guy called Chris Humphreys and there are two stories of how they started dating. One was a very romantic meet-cute across the basketball court. Another was not as romantic. (laughs) It was the producers of E! emailing every basketball team in New York trying to work out if anyone wanted to date her. Mm -hmm. I think one of my favourite tidbits was how much Kim Kardashian was spending on clothes every month at this stage in her life. I think it was, what, $25,000 a month, which I find really interesting because I don't think she's really paying a cent for her clothes today. That many brands would be sending her stuff. She would basically be able to ask anyone from Givenchy to Dior what she wants to wear. Yeah, 100%. So where we left off last week, Mish, was they had just got married in this extremely decadent, mm-hmm. very luxurious, if that's even a way to describe a wedding, but I feel like an extremely extravagant wedding that yeah. was watched by millions and millions of people. And then suddenly 21 days after the wedding is aired on E! in two parts, of course, they announced to the world that they're divorcing. 21 days since the wedding special aired, 72 days since they actually tied the knot. But before we get to the infamous divorce, we haven't even gone to the honeymoon yet. Should we rewind and visit Kim and Chris's honeymoon? Let's go back to 2011. Right, Zara, we are on Kim and Chris's honeymoon. We have just jetted to Italy's Amalfi Coast where they are spending $3,300 a night on a chalet. I've got to say, I mean, this might sound like a ridiculous thing to say, but Here we in, go. <laughs> in the context of Kim Kardashian, that doesn't sound like that much money to spend on a honeymoon. She wasn't as rich then though as she is now. Like I feel like $3,300 a night would be peanuts for her now. I mean, $3,300 a night, they were there for not that long, but you're still talking about like $15,000 plus dollars just on accommodation. Let me put it on the record. It is a ridiculous (laughs) amount of money to be spending. It's just not a ridiculous amount of money for the Kardashians. Okay, I buy that. I buy that. I do want your thoughts. When you Google Kim and Chris's honeymoon, some of the first photos to pop up are pap shots of Kim Kardashian wearing a white bikini with Mrs. Humphreys bejeweled on the bottom. I mean, they must have known that the paps were coming for them if that's what (laughs) she's wanting to wear. Good on her if that's what she likes. But there are plenty of close range, high quality pics of the pair taken by Splash which is a very popular paparazzi photo company, which says to me, Mish, that whether or not they knew the paparazzi were there is one thing or whether or not they organised for them to be there is another. Look, I'm just going to outright say it. I feel like they may have organised this. The photos are very close range. They're very high quality. Everything's quite defined. Kim and Chris look beautiful, constantly smiling, constantly looking happy, and yet somehow haven't noticed the photographer clearly standing (laughs) directly in front of them. When they got home, Kim told Us Weekly that the honeymoon itself was perfect Mm. and that they caught up on alone time, which in itself is an interesting point because I don't know how much time these two had actually spent alone before they walked down the aisle. Like this may well have been one of the first times that they'd spent time together. (laughs) But six years later, she would actually admit that it was on their honeymoon in Italy that it started to dawn on her just what a huge mistake she made. Let's hear a snippet of that interview now. When you went into that marriage, did you think 
that it was forever or did you think? At the time I didn't even, I just thought, holy shit, I'm 30 years old. I better get this together. I better get married. I think like a lot of girls do go through that where they freak out and thinking they're getting old and they have to figure it out and all their friends are having kids. And so it was more of that situation. But I knew like honeymoon, it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. On the honeymoon, you knew. Yeah. Right. I don't know about you, Zara, but listening to that snippet makes me think that maybe Kim Kardashian got the ick on her own husband on their honeymoon. Like to your point earlier, maybe they hadn't spent a lot of time together. Maybe this was the first time that it was just them and a few paps roaming around. Yeah. That she was kind of like, I don't like the way he talks with his mouth open when he's eating. I reckon 100% that is likely what's happened here, especially given how little time they'd spent together, how quick this engagement and marriage was. And also the idea that... That feels quite relatable, what she told Andy Cohen in 2017, Mm. that she felt like she was behind. Like I know a lot of people have looked back on this marriage or even at the time and said this was one of the biggest publicity stunts in recent celebrity history. But to me, that sense of I feel like I'm falling behind, I feel like everyone around me is getting married and having kids, that's what I need to be doing too, feels incredibly relatable. Yeah, super relatable, particularly given her age. She was about to enter her 30s. So for her to be thinking... I want the house, I want the marriage, I want the kids is something I think a lot of women of this age can relate to. And I think a lot of women and men, in fact, have a plan for their life. And when that plan isn't quite working out, find themselves in relationships that aren't perfect, find themselves trying to make a relationship work because it's part of the bigger picture rather than actually being happy in the moment. Yeah, well, it's that element of compromise, isn't it? Which I I have a feeling might have happened here. So they're on the Amalfi Coast. Kim has this sinking feeling that the relationship isn't right, the marriage is not right, and it is only 10 months into knowing him. Like this girl could have just been a 10-month, and dare I say it could have been like a 10-month fling that just never eventuated, and yet here they are on the honeymoon. Well, they clearly had chemistry, and I think chemistry can get you through 10 months, but you need deep unwavering love to get you beyond that. And I think given they already had cracks forming, that truly deep unwavering love just wasn't there. You did mention before, could she have possibly got the ick on the honeymoon? But I think one key player here that we haven't yet mentioned that is a really important person to mention with all of this in mind is Kanye West. Kanye West. I didn't really know how close Kim Kardashian and Kanye West were, even in 2010 and 2011, until we actually did research for this episode. So according to Insider, Kim and Kanye met and became friends all the way back in 2003. Kim was working as the singer Brandy. Do you remember Brandy? Sort of, yes. Brandy, if you play her on Spotify, she has a few bops where you're like, I've heard this in the club once. You, you did this with me when we were researching because I was like, do I know her songs? And you were like, yes, you will, but skip to the chorus of a few of the main <laughs> ones. So most of us will be familiar with Brandy's music. Kim was working as Brandy's assistant and that is how she came in contact with Kanye. She did explain to Keeping Up With The Kardashians producers in one episode, I vividly remember hanging out with Kanye and then he and Brandy did a video together so I'd see him a few times. He was asking his friends, who is this Kim Kardashian? He didn't know what my name was. <laughs> he calls her Kim Kardashian for quite a long time before <laughs> he knows her properly. So Kim and Kanye were actually pretty close for eight years before she married Chris Humphreys. I think one thing that's an interesting thread to come out 
of their history together as friends is that he did see her potential to become a big star. He insisted that she appear on his hip-hop puppet show (laughs) called Alligator Boots, dressed as Princess Leia in 2008, despite directors trying to push him in another direction. He also even appeared in a 2010 episode of Courtney and Kim Take New York to shop at a new Dash boutique and help Kim kind of stir up publicity for the new store. I actually really adore this about Kanye West, that even from the earliest days of their friendship it seems like he was really supporting Kim's career and she was doing the same for him as well like I find that I know that Kanye West is a very complicated person but how supportive he was of her is very endearing. Yeah, 100%. I think Kim has always maintained that during this time she saw Kanye as a friend and we cannot possibly speculate about what might have changed so quickly in this marriage. But what is clear is that for Kanye, it's always been a bit of a different story. Like he's been quite open about the fact that he never just saw her as a friend. Mm. So in 2013, he told Ryan Seacrest's radio show that it was always something more. This is the quote. I just knew I wanted Kim to be my girl for a long time. I remember I saw a picture of her in Paris Hilton and I remember telling my boy, have you seen that girl Kim Kardashian? (laughs) (laughs) It is again. Like, I'm not kidding. He's going to call her Kim Kardashian heaps more throughout this episode. (laughs) Given Kanye was likely in love with Kim or had a big crush on Kim, it goes without saying that he did not take the news of her engagement to Chris Humphreys very well. We did not find out this detail until years later, but it's really interesting to watch. Kanye sat down on Khloe Kardashian's ill-fated show Cocktails with Khloe. Do you remember that? Cocktail spelt with a K, of of course. (laughs) And he sat down for a bit of an interview and he said on this show that he went and bought his first ever mobile phone back in May 2011. He didn't own a mobile phone at the time just so he could warn her. Kim Kardashian against marrying Chris Humphreys. I love that Kanye walks to the beat of his own drum until he's worried about Kim Kardashian (laughs) marrying another man. (laughs) So he did tell Chloe in this episode, I wasn't up to anything and I looked on the internet and there was Kim with some extremely tall person. (laughs) And I was like, I need to call her or something. He then explained that he actually started texting Kim photos of washed up ex-basketball players wearing like daggy clothes with their jeans really high and gross t-shirts. And on top of that wrote, this is your future. (laughs) It's so cutting, but also a little bit true. Like accurate, but brutal. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, what's really curious about this, right, Mish, is that despite the fact they had been friends for years, Kanye wasn't on the wedding list. And Mm. if you guys remember from last week, 450 people scored an invite to this wedding. And what is even more interesting to me is that Even if they weren't super close friends, I feel like the Kardashians were in a stage in their life where they would have invited every big name they possibly could have. Well, no one can tell me that they're all besties with Justin Bieber. Yeah, exactly. how was Kim Kardashian best mates with a teenaged Justin Bieber? (laughs) If he scored an invite, I find it a bit curious that Kanye West, friend of eight years who's been on the show, who supported her, worked with her almost for a decade, doesn't get called up to a wedding invite. There is something fishy about it. TMZ later reported that Chris Humphreys was pretty sus about Kanye not attending and said to friends later that he considered it evidence that Kim and Kanye were more than friends. Yes. And then take into consideration a 2012 interview that Amber Rose did with Star Magazine. Amber Rose is Kanye's ex-girlfriend. They were actually in a relationship for two years, which for Kanye West at this point in his life was the longest relationship he had had. They were quite serious for two people who had quite high profiles. Amber Rose in this interview with Star Magazine alleged that Kanye and Kim had an affair. She alleged that Kanye cheated on her with Kim before 
Chris Humphreys. So this was when Kim was dating Reggie Bush. Her quotes alluded to them sending raunchy text messages and photos back and forth and having like a very romantic sexual dynamic on top of their friendship. So her allegations are that when Kim was with Reggie Bush and Kanye was with Amber, they both cheated on their respective partners with each, with other. each other. I mean, it certainly shines a new light on their dynamic, doesn't it? And sort of does make you wonder what was behind that non-invitation to the wedding because I think you are likely to not invite someone that you may have history with just because it's a bit awkward. I mean, if Amber's claims are true then, that means that Kim was secretly seeing Kanye in the same year she met Chris Humphreys. Yeah, because the timeline's so squished together. All of these events happened within months of each other. The overlap is not that unrealistic at all. Thinking about this timeline now, it's like she had a, a bit of a fling with Kanye a year before she married Chris Humphrey. So it was a year before she was on this honeymoon and realised it wasn't right, mm. which is a pretty realistic amount of time to be like, I'm with the wrong person here. Yeah. Let's put Kanye to the side for one second. I'm not one to put Kanye in the corner, <laughs> but I will just for a little bit because we need to head back to New York City. Kim and Chris had just finished their honeymoon and things were already pretty shaky for their marriage. For sure. So almost immediately after the honeymoon, Kim and Chris moved to New York to shoot the second season of Courtney and Kim take New York. We went back and watched this season and I tell you, (laughs) it is hard to watch just because I'm trying to work out why it's hard to watch. Firstly, it's awkward. Like you can just see it's so fucking awkward and they're meant to be newlyweds, but they just don't seem to have any chemistry or any sort of fun, playful, endearing dynamic. It's like watching a Martian and a dog try to like make house together. It just wasn't working. Also, very difficult to watch because of the questionable decor in this apartment. I know it was 2011. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but the amount of red, black, white and purple that was smooshed together in that place is inexcusable. And then random chandeliers in (laughs) every room. I mean, it should be noted too that Kim and Chris did live in this high-rise apartment with questionable decor with Courtney and her then partner Scott and their 18-month-old son Mason. Not really the newlywed vibe I'd be going for personally. Not at all. Like when you've just gotten married, I feel like it's one of the times in your life where you just want to be with each Mm. other and you probably only want to be with each other and that might change over the course (laughs) of your lifetime. But that is a time that you prioritise you. But of course... Kim needed to film Kim and Courtney Take New York. It was why she needed a New York-based partner in the first place. But from the get-go, Kim and Chris were bickering in Mm. this season of Kim and Courtney Take New York. Yeah, absolutely. There was one particular scene that stood out where Kim actually had a group of girlfriends over and they did this kind of like naked nudist yoga class. (laughs) (laughs) It was a shitty storyline. It was shitty but also weirdly entertaining. So they're all in the living room doing this yoga class and they have quite a flamboyantly gay yoga instructor. And what was really interesting, and I think you'll see this across Chris Humphrey's career, he was clearly not comfortable with having a gay man in his living room, which, I mean, I have a million opinions about that and they do not reflect well on Chris Humphrey's, but we'll put that to the side for a second. Chris really came for Kim for daring to have her friends over and daring to kind of make their space 
hers. Like he was almost very territorial over his things, over the couch. He made comments that they would need to get the couch reupholstered, like just really toxic masculine energy. There's a a pretty strong homophobic vibe to this episode and to this scene in particular too, because as you said, there was that gay instructor. The women were basically naked doing this yoga and he was mad and it was very hard. It was one of those scenarios where you're watching something being like, what are you actually annoyed about here? And it was a big blow up between them. I think the weird thing about watching this season of Kim and Courtney take New York back now is how quickly everything seemed to escalate. Like it seemed to go from Kim saying, I find him a bit annoying to I find him insufferable in a matter of days, so insufferable that I don't even want to be with him anymore. Yeah, it went to the point of, oh, there's tension and they don't really agree on money and they have this chemistry but some of the jokes go a little bit too far to they can't even have a conversation anymore. There was this one scene where Chris and Kim went out to dinner and they struggled to talk to each other over that dinner. Chris posited the idea that he would actually move into Kim's LA mansion. (laughs) Nuts, considering they're married. Yeah, he was like, oh, I can move into your LA mansion when we spend time in LA and I'll move my boxes of stuff there. And Kim's response to that was so curious. She completely freaked out at the idea of Chris Humphreys being welcomed into her LA home, which is baffling because she had a massive home. Well, it was like something snapped in her. I think what seems to be true is that that conversation was like a real catalyst catalyst for everything falling over. She later told Courtney and Chloe that she was going crazy when she was sitting across from him at that dinner. She told them that she didn't know what to say and that she didn't know what they had in common. Yeah. And look, I know what some listeners might be thinking. They might be saying, oh, well, you guys said in episode one that a lot of these scenes are constructed. How do we know that any of this is legit? We don't know for sure. All we can really go off is our gut watching these people and trying to figure out if this is a scripted storyline or if this is actually a marriage falling apart in real time. My gut says these scenes are legitimate and authentic. I will also say there were paparazzi who papped Kim and Chris at dinners where they were not talking to each other. Things looked incredibly tense. People started giving quotes to tabloids very early on who witnessed them out and about together. And so the media was already painting a very accurate picture of what was going on in this marriage because it was splintering. Yeah, and I think the first time that the audience see that Kim is really struggling with this is there's this particular scene in Kim and Courtney Take New York that I think that the listeners might remember, Michelle. It's the scene of that infamous Kim Kardashian crying meme. She's in the dressing room. Her hair is pulled back into an elaborate ponytail and she is just wailing. Like the level of sheer emotion is enough to make anyone feel a bit panicky and have a bit of empathy. At one point, Chris knocked on the door trying to talk to Kim Kardashian, not knowing that she is like crying over the state of their relationship. And so he was asking to be let in and Kim just went silent and waited for him to leave as if she was hiding from him. Yeah, she completely froze and watching her freeze made you think, wow, you guys are not teammates. You are not helping each other get through tough shit. You're almost on opposite sides of the court right now. Here is a snippet from that scene in case you're not familiar with it met this guy from Minnesota and I feel awful that like I made him move out here and like change his whole life and I feel bad for him. I feel sad. I feel bad for the guy. I changed his whole life and he fell in love with me and I fell in love with him and now my feelings have changed. You don't think I feel bad that I invited all these people to this huge wedding and flew everyone out. 
Right, so Zara, it was the definition of breaking down the barriers of privacy for the Kardashians to even show us scenes like this, but it worked for ratings. This became the second most watched episode of any Keeping Up series or spin-off in the history of the franchise. Yeah, more than 4.47 million people tuned in to watch Kim saying that she wanted a divorce. Almost double the number of people who watched her get married. Yeah, 100%. And to her sister's credit, both Courtney and Chloe, they did say that they would be there for Kim knowing what a shit show this was going to be, a 72-day marriage. But over the loudspeaker on the phone when Kim had Chloe on the phone, you can hear Chloe saying to Kim, you got caught up in your fairy tale but this wasn't your fairy tale and that's okay. Yeah, Kim also told the audience that soon after those scenes were filmed, she did break it off with Chris Humphreys but she didn't feel like it was respectful or appropriate to actually bring camera crews to her breaking off her marriage with someone. So that was where the Kardashians drew the line. They were like, we're happy to show people everything that led up to the point of Kim asking for a divorce, but her actually doing the asking, that's too far. I mean, seems kind of fair enough. And then we get to Halloween 2011. So the 31st of October 2011, which was 21 days after Kim's fairy tale wedding special aired, 72 days after they married, 159 days after they got engaged and not even a year after their first date. Kim Kardashian filed for divorce from Chris, which is to say that Kim and Chris met, married and split all within the space of 12 months. Whirlwind doesn't even cover it. In a statement given to E, Kim did confirm that she was filing for divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. She said, after careful consideration, I've decided to end my marriage. I hope everyone understands this was not an easy decision. I had hoped this marriage was forever, but sometimes things don't work out as planned. We remain friends and wish each other the best. Before we move on, what do you think of that statement? We remain friends and wish (laughs) each other the best. I mean, what else is she possibly going to say is all I can think. Uh, I just think like I had hoped this marriage was forever, but sometimes things don't work out as planned. I just think people gave her a lot of shit for that one line. It's like, how can you change your mind this much in 72 days? Maybe... Uh, Maybe I'm just nitpicking. I don't really know how you can tell people you're getting a divorce after 72 days and have it land anything but terribly. Exactly right. It was the first time that the public had realised the marriage was over. I think even though we've spoken a lot about Kim and Courtney take New York, keep in mind that this didn't air until after the public found out that they were actually divorcing. So for the public, it was a little bit of a shock because they had Mm. watched this wedding special and then 21 days later... There was just this divorce announcement. Chris Humphreys told the media that when it hit headlines, it was the first time that he'd heard about the divorce too. He said in the wake of the news, I love my wife and I am devastated to learn she filed for divorce. I'm committed to this marriage and everything this covenant represents. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it work. Do you believe that? Do you believe this was the first time he heard about her filing? No. I think that it was a good way though for him to cement himself in a pretty sympathetic light, though. It's kind of like him pulling a Taylor Swift and saying, I would like to remove myself from this narrative. Like, I have no part in this marriage ending. I was in this for the long haul. This is all on Kim. In fairness, though, if someone split with me 72 days after marriage and I didn't want it to end, I'd want them to know that I wanted to make it work. Particularly if you have suspicions that someone else is a party in the marriage or there's a third wheel in the marriage, which, according to tabloid reports, Chris was concerned about. Yeah, I mean, TMZ editor Harvey Levin did tell media outlets we found out she was filing for divorce before he did. 
I don't know how trustworthy that guy is, but, you know. But the thing is, the fallout after this was huge, Mish. Probably bigger than anyone in the Kardashian family could have ever realised, but we're going to get to that after the break. All right, Zara, before the break, we teased that we would be talking about the fallout from Kim and Chris's 72-day marriage and divorce Let's talk about it because obviously this is now an iconic moment in pop culture and celebrity history. And this is the Kardashians. So you better believe that they squeezed every bit of publicity juice out of this lemon. Yeah, 100%. So the announcement came via Ryan Seacrest's radio show. If you know anything about the Kardashians, you will know that Ryan Seacrest was the first person to ever do like a, a test with the Kardashian family to see if they could even be good on camera. It's his idea and his baby. So exactly. he created this family in some ways. And he sold it to E back in 2007. For the conspiracy theorists, and of course there always are many in a story like this one, Halloween in 2011, the day that Kim filed for divorce, was a Monday. Monday in magazine land is the biggest day of the week because they close out their issues on a Monday evening. And this might have been a coincidence. I mean, there are seven days in a week. The (laughs) the news has to be announced on one of them. (laughs) Sources did tell The Hollywood Reporter that Kris Jenner wanted to make sure the news hit the press before all the weeklies had closed. So to clarify, they closed as in they finish writing their publications on a Monday night, the publications hit newsstands on Tuesdays. I don't know exactly when they hit newsstands. You just know that their deadline for getting content together is Monday night. Right. So you could say they orchestrated this perfectly so that it hit the media at exactly the right time. Predictably, people in the media went hard at the Kardashians. The majority of the public actually penciled it down to a complete publicity stunt, something that Kim and Chris had both conjured up for a quick career and profile boost. Angry fans absolutely slammed Kim Kardashian on Twitter for being fake and for lying to them and for breaking their trust. She suddenly just became the butt of the world's jokes. I actually remember that around this time, I think it was November when Melbourne has the Melbourne Cup Carnival. She Mm -hmm. was actually meant to be one of the guests here. I don't know how we managed to get (laughs) such a big name. But she didn't turn up, so they just got a cardboard cutout of Kim instead. (sighs) Classy. We did have the hashtag, things that have lasted longer than Kim Kardashian's marriage, trend on Twitter. Apparently sea monkeys generally outlive Kim Kardashian's marriage about 10 times over, which I did not know. (laughs) I had no idea that, and I can't even pretend I necessarily care that much either. (laughs) One culture writer did observe that the Kardashians' extravagances are becoming more and more distasteful, more and more reprehensible. They also glumly predicted the Kardashians will keep turning on the false charm to a chorus of ka-ching at the cash registers. Interesting take. I really do love one of the takes from a Star Trek actor by the name of George Takai. He's an openly gay man and this was his take on Twitter. Kim Kardashian files for divorce after 72 days. Another example of how same-sex marriage is destroying the sanctity of the very institution. I mean, he absolutely has a point. The thing is about this time is that sentiment was bad. Sentiment was really bad. Opinion pieces were coming out left, right and centre about how vacuous this family were, how money hungry they were. A 41-year-old fan from Colorado (laughs) even posted a petition imploring E to take the reality show off the air. More than (laughs) 165,000 people signed on in protest with 77,000 sharing it to their Facebook feeds. I love this so much because I feel like this was the era where people felt like maybe they could stop the uprising of the Kardashians 
pedestrians and people were kind of clambering to push this family down and make sure they didn't ascend to the level of fame that they now have, whereas now people are kind of like, it's the Kardashians, they basically run the world. I did enjoy this petition. It read, keeping up with the Kardashians is just not viewing that we, the public, would like to see from your network. Enough <laughs> is enough. It's the enough is enough for me, <laughs> as if we're talking about something incredibly serious. I think the most iconic thing that came out of this time was the faux vigil that people put out in front of the Dash boutique with candles and cutouts of their best paparazzi shots together. Like that is the best of the human race right there. I do really love that. I want to ask you, do you think all publicity is good publicity? Because obviously this divorce made Kim Kardashian more famous than she already was. It was a huge part in growing her profile and making her a household name, not just in the States but around the world. Do you think it served her brand well in the long run? It's hard to answer, I think. Potentially, yes, in the long, long, long run, like it being a marathon, not a sprint. But in the couple of years after, a lot of people lost a lot of trust in the Mm. Kardashians and they really had to work hard to build it back. I think if it was any other celebrity, it might have killed their career. But this family just so happens to have a publicity machine behind them that is able to get themselves out of storms. Yeah, I agree with you. I think short-term pain, long-term gain. I think we have a lot of curiosity for celebrities who live lives that look nothing like ours. I think of Elizabeth Taylor. I know it's unusual to kind of combine Kim Kardashian and Elizabeth Taylor in the one message, but... We find women who have plenty of marriages or short-lived marriages or tumultuous marriages very interesting. And this adds intrigue to someone's life that was often discarded as not interesting, not talented, famous for the sake of being famous. Yeah, exactly. But I do think that this marriage did contribute to that narrative in the short term. And she agreed with that. She thought her career was over. Speaking in an interview with The Drum a few years after the split, she did admit, at the time when I was going through the divorce, I did say to everyone, you guys, I think our careers are over. I hope you've saved your money. I totally thought it was over. Mm. Not all celebrities were disparaging of Kim Kardashian at this time. Kelly Osborne did tweet, at oh, Kim God. Kardashian, thinking of you. <laughs> the all-powerful Kelly Osborne. <laughs> there weren't many celebrities for me to choose from. She was the only one I could find. She tweeted, Kim Kardashian, thinking of you. Stay strong. Don't listen to the haters. Listen to your heart. XOXO. I mean, that's lovely from Kelly Osborne, but you're right, there wasn't many people that wanted to jump on the bandwagon of Kardashian at this time. So soon after announcing that she was filing for divorce, whispers started that Kim and Kanye were together. We don't have an exact date and I don't think we'll ever get an exact date of when they first officially got together after this divorce, but... We know for sure that he flew her to Paris Fashion Week in March 2012. So that is four months after divorce proceedings began, where onlookers watched them embrace each other as boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. And Kim was really looking for a quickie divorce. She was with Kanye very soon after she split from Chris Humphreys and she wanted the whole Chris Humphreys era to be behind her. So she was interested in a very cut and dry divorce that followed the terms of their prenuptial agreement. Chris Humphreys, though, was not buying it. He wanted to get the entire marriage annulled on account of their union being a fraud. And given Kim pulled the plug so soon and so swiftly, Chris Humphrey's team of lawyers developed the belief that she was actually never in the marriage for the long haul. She was there for money and for fame. So he asked her for a payout of $7 million, but Kim denied his claims that the marriage was a PR stunt. She and her lawyer, Laura Wasser, who we might recognise because she is currently representing Kim in her divorce from Kanye West. I'm sorry for the spoiler there. (laughs) 
they wanted things to be clean and simple, a divorce where they upheld their prenup. And that mm. is absolutely the point of getting a prenup so that this can be as clean and simple as possible. Yeah. Kim wanted a quickie divorce. She did not get it. This went on, this dragged through the court system for 536 days. That is 464 more days than they were even married. <laughs> I think Kim also felt an extra sense of urgency about the divorce proceedings because as these were happening, she actually fell pregnant with Kanye West's baby. Yeah. So this is, I mean, it's another great example of how quickly celebrity lives yeah. and, some, and celebrity romantic interests move. Chris Humphreys did try to pull Kanye West into the divorce proceedings. Reportedly, he has spoken to friends about suspicions and that something else was going on between the pair. He tried to get Kanye in court and failed to do that. Yeah, 100%. What ended up happening was on April 19, a very heavily pregnant Kim Kardashian emerged triumphant out of a Los Angeles courthouse, having got the divorce that she was after. Chris Humphreys didn't get a cent from Kim and was also unsuccessful in getting the marriage annulled. So what a bloody waste of time for him. <sighs> so Kim and Chris Humphreys are officially over. They are no longer a part of each other's lives. Should we do a quick refresher on them, what happened with Kim and Kanye? I would love one. So a few months after the divorce was finalised, Chris Humphreys auctioned off the huge 20-carat <laughs> engagement ring for $749,000. A week after that, Kanye West proposed to Kim Kardashian on like a, I think it was a baseball field. It was some type of sporting ground with a slightly more demure 15-carat diamond ring, of course, from Lorraine Schwartz. I mean, Lorraine Schwartz is the real winner from all of this story. <laughs> Kim and Kanye did then go on to marry in May 2014, 11 months after welcoming their first child north. The Keeping Up crew were not allowed into the Paris ceremony or the reception. The photos weren't even auctioned off to any magazine. So this was a very different affair to her wedding to Chris Humphreys. Very different. And let me tell you, if you thought that Kim and Chris Humphreys' wedding, the Humpdashian wedding, was anything, it had fucking nothing on the Kimye <laughs> wedding. The couple hosted a rehearsal dinner for 600 guests in the Palace of Versailles Hall of Mirrors. Incredible. The guests were treated to a fireworks display and a surprise performance by Lana Del Rey, big glow up from the days of Robin Thicke. <laughs> wedding guests were flown on private chartered jets to Florence for the wedding itself. Kim Kardashian tossed out her $20,000 Vera Wang gowns and wore a $500,000 custom Givenchy haute couture gown. How big is this? I mean, this is the time as well where Kylie Jenner had her like bright blue hair. I'm just trying to like go Never back forget. in time <laughs> and remember what was happening here. Kim and Kanye after the wedding went on to have son Saint, daughter Chicago and baby Sam. Their relationship was a pretty, by all reports anyway, a love-filled and happy union, but it was pretty dogged by Kanye's battle with bipolar, which Kim says he doesn't treat anymore. And that has been pretty well documented in the tabloids of the last couple of years. Yeah. And while Kim and Kanye have kept pretty quiet on the divorce proceedings, they want to protect the kids. There have been quotes here and there to pretty reputable sources like Vanity Fair and People Magazine, who we tend to trust when they write about stories like this. One close source said of the split, although Kim and Kanye have been separated for months, it was still emotional for Kim to actually file for divorce. She is spending time with her mum, sisters and hasn't been working. Everyone is supportive. Kim feels very lucky to be surrounded by her big family. Kim is mostly just disappointed that they couldn't figure out how to stay married. But it takes two people to create a happy marriage. Kim has felt Kanye is not willing to do the hard work and compromise. Yeah, and I would argue that that quote is very likely to be from Camp Kardashian. I know I it's from an unnamed source, but I think that even though they don't 
don't want to thrash this divorce out over the tabloids or through the public. I do think that they would want the public to know that she tried. They need to maintain their narrative. Like they need to have some level of control. Yeah, and it's a quiet, gentle one. I feel like the Kim of 2021 is arguably a very different person to the one we saw on our screens a decade ago. Mm. I mean, after being robbed at gunpoint in 2016, she told Ellen, I was being flashy. I was definitely materialistic before. It's not worth it. I don't care to show off like the way that I used to. It's just not who I am anymore. I mean, I will put a caveat here that her definition of being flashy or a more demure version of flashy now is probably the general public's version of flashy anyway. Um, It's not like she's sort of given up the life that she had, but I think she has had a re-evaluation of what she wants. Yeah, I feel like Kim Kardashian has curated a more fulfilling life for herself as well. I mean, instead of doing endorsement deals with other brands, she does own a bunch of businesses now. She owns KKW Beauty, a makeup line, along with KKW Fragrances. Her shapewear line skims. She's been listed on Forbes' list of America's top self-made women. She's worth a billion dollars now and she's studying to be a lawyer and she's got a huge interest in criminal justice reform. Yeah and then in December 2020 as we all know she announced that after keeping up with the Kardashians 20th season the family would be moving on to new ventures at E's rival Hulu. At the time of recording it's not quite clear what the plan is at Hulu but global content. I have no idea what that even (laughs) means but there's no doubt it will be something big. Let's talk about where Chris Humphreys is now though. We know where Kim and Kanye are. That is well documented anyway. But what about Chris Humphreys? Yeah, look, as much as I don't like how Chris Humphreys has handled some things in the public eye, particularly occasional homophobic slurs, I do feel sympathy for him when I consider the fact that he was booed whenever he set foot on the basketball court for at least a year after this divorce. Like he really truly copped it and was made a joke in the public eye. 100%. He went on to play for the Boston Celtics, then the Washington Wizards, which is one of the worst (laughs) names I've ever heard. Ooh, spooky. I'm going to play the Wizards. (laughs) Before finishing up with the Atlanta Hawks, which is just so much moving around. But I think that is very NBA. Anyway, I think what's really interesting about the Chris Humphreys narrative is in 2019, on the day that he retired from the NBA, he penned a pretty moving essay for the Players' Tribune and it was titled, I Never Wanted to Be That Guy. In the piece, he spoke a lot about regret and about how all he ever wanted in his career was to be known as a good basketballer, not as the guy that Kim Kardashian divorced after 72 days. Yeah, this piece is a really interesting one. He wrote, there was about a year where I was in a dark place. I didn't want to leave my home. You feel like the whole world hates you but they don't even know why they don't even know you at all they just recognize your face and they're on you I didn't want to be Chris Humphreys it's the craziest feeling in the world not wanting to be yourself and I didn't even want to say anything to defend myself because it felt like I couldn't win it's very telling about how hard it is to go up against the Kardashian machine with that last line in mind I didn't even want to say anything to defend myself because I felt like I couldn't win. And he couldn't win. He absolutely couldn't. He now lives a relatively quiet life in shock, Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) He runs 10 burger franchises and spends time with his dogs Brodman and Motto. Yeah, so while Kim Kardashian has gone on to live her best life in LA and New York with her 200 million Instagram followers, Chris has curated the life he always wanted too. He has a far more humble Instagram (laughs) follower count of 96,000 people. 
even until today, you actually can't comment on Chris Humphrey's photos. He was getting such relentless trolling, even up to a couple of years ago, that he is really shut down and not allowed that feedback mechanism on social media. It's also believed that he's been with his model girlfriend, Nayleen Ashley, for a little over a year. And even though he feels like he was duped by Kim and maybe taken for a ride a little bit, I think from his perspective, his relationship with her, his love for her wasn't fake. He wrote, look, I should have known what I was getting into. I was definitely naive about how much of my life was going to change. But the one thing that really bothers me is whenever people say that my marriage was fake. There's definitely a lot about the world that is not entirely real, but our actual relationship was 100% real. When it was clear that it wasn't working, what can I say? It sucked. It's never easy to go through the embarrassment of something like that with your friends, with your family. But when it plays out so publicly in front of the world, it's a whole other level. It was brutal. I think that's all we've got time for. Yeah, I think that is all we've got time for. I feel like we've spent so long researching this, we've almost spent longer in it than they were married. We probably have. We've probably been researching this for longer than the marriage itself. So, I mean, I had the best time ever. This has been such a fun episode to do with you. Next week, we are tackling something entirely different. We are. We are going back a couple of decades, Mish. We are going back. More than a couple. We're going back like four. Yeah, we're going back a few actual decades. (laughs) (laughs) And we are going back to an old Hollywood star by the name of Natalie Wood, who had a pretty tragic end to her life that we want to look into. Yeah, absolutely. We are going old Hollywood. We can't wait for you to join us. This is a story that I had really no idea about, but it is a mixture of old Hollywood glam mystery, sadness, confusion. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Natalie Wood story. And even if you don't find the name familiar, I promise you, you will find the story interesting. Yeah, 100%. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show as always. If you want to help us out just a little bit, you can click that green follow button on Spotify or that purple button subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That just helps other people find us. Yeah, if you want to get extra bonus points, extra brownie points for supporting us, you can also leave us a five-star review if you like us. If you don't like us, no hard feelings. (laughs) We we won't worry about it too much. (laughs) That's okay. Hey, guys, we'll be back in your ears on Thursday with a pop culture wrap and then again on Monday for another Scandal app. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.